0: Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today we explore the world of b 2 b to c More on that in just a second. If you're brand new to this show, uh, thank you for listening in and I hope you stick around. This is a show all about how some of the most interesting and exciting brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic. And masses in today's case is not just consumers, but also retail partners. I'm on with Synchrony and their chief marketing officer, Bart Schaller. Bart has been with Synchrony since the very beginning and since it spun out from General Electric, where it was known as GE Capital. Within that, there has been a number of transitions which has allowed Synchrony to become a front runner in terms of consumer banking, but also in the way that it does businesses with credit cards and retail partners. So Bart goes into a lot of what made that change happen, as well as the vision statement that guided that starting about 18 months ago. And we also go into stories of plenty of consumers and examples where it has become more important than ever to proactively and digitally connect, including some ideas which are not so new, but becoming new. That plus, of course, advice as to how to build a more authentic brand, given his expertise, not only in the financial world, but in retail as well. I really look forward to you listening to this. Synchrony is a massive player here. I've been a Synchrony customer for years, as a matter of fact, and I really enjoy their service, but it was nice to just hear Bart's take on being authentic and how you have to be authentic while being authentic. It's a bit meta, but he explains it better than me, and I'll get out of the way so you can hear that. So without further ado, here's our interview for today with, from Synchrony, Bart Schaller. All right, everybody. I am here with Bart Schaller from Synchrony. Bart, thank you so much for coming on the show. How you doing?
1: Thanks, Adam. Yeah, no, I'm great and uh, appreciate you having me today.
0: I appreciate having you. This is the first uh, conversation I've had with somebody in a, a town that I used to spend a heck of a lot of time in, Bentonville, Arkansas. And I know that you've just uh, taken a long drive back up from more <laughs> south to get up there. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for returning to a place that I know you know well and, and I wish I knew better.
1: Yeah, no. Um, like I said, good to good to be with you. And uh, yes, I I got away from uh, I got away from the uh, the stay-at-home uh, orders and took a little trip with the family. So, but we're back here, and actually, that's good for you and me because doing this work from home and remote stuff, um, this technology here at my house is better than I would have had on the road.
0: Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad then. Better for all of us. And um, I, I, let's let's talk about uh, the road to uh, to today because I know that you are uh, running the whole ship at Synchrony. And I also know that it started as part of a larger organization. And just for folks who maybe have not heard of Synchrony, I hope they have. I've been a customer of Synchrony for a long, long time. But I, I want the people to know where exactly that came about from uh, because it's been around for a couple of years and sort of just Burst onto the scene, but it came from a sort of different business. I want to get your take on that, though. Could you tell us the story?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so if I rewind, uh, you know the the roots of Synchrony uh, exist going back into uh, General Electric and specifically uh, GE Capital, large financial segment of uh, of General Electric, and you know essentially this business started coming out of the uh, the depression as a way for consumers uh, and and retailers to finance uh, appliances, General Electric, right? That's what folks know, lighting in General Electric and, and appliances in General right. Electric. So coming out of the depression, folks needed a way to, uh, to, to spread payments out. And so that was the beginnings of synchrony. You know, fast forward 85 years or so, um, coming out of the financial crisis, some things at GE uh, happened and, and they broke up big pieces of it. And we were uh, we were lucky. Uh, fortunate uh, to be part of a spin off. So, um, we took our, our uh, retail focused, consumer focused business and spun out uh, and became Synchrony in uh, 2014. So, um, you know, we say we're a fairly young company, fairly young brand uh, as a standalone company, certainly. Uh, but, you know, we've got almost 90 years of, uh, of consumer and, and retail heritage to back us up.
0: I think that's a really interesting way to sort of start our conversation here because while I have, as i mentioned at the top here, been a customer synchrony for a while, it did not start from an interest in financing and appliance. Um, It started out of a consumer interest. And I know that there is also a story there as as you ascended to the top of this brand, uh, as you discovered ways in which to do that. So I'm hoping you could go a little bit uh, deeper into how you built that credibility and trust. And as part of that, uh, I know that a a purpose statement got shifted and a vision statement was created. So I want to learn about all that too.
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I made it sound pretty simple. We just spun off from, uh, from GE, one of the, at the time world's largest conglomerates. Um, but it's it's uh it's not as easy as it sounds um and there was a lot going on um in fact probably separating a company from another company could be more difficult i think it definitely is more difficult than just taking a company de novo uh public because all of your systems and all of your culture and everything is owned but you know as we were coming uh separating ourselves from a, a bigger company that we had all that history and legacy with. We had to separate systems and servers and policies and practices and payrolls and you know you name it. And the other thing we had to do was we had to create a name and a name is nothing. You need a brand. Uh, and we had to we had to create a culture. We had somewhat of a subculture, I, I think it's fair to say. But we had to figure out which pieces of uh, you know our parent company we wanted to bring with us. And what pieces we wanted to leave behind and sort of separate and start anew, um, but certainly the journey was: we, first, we got to name the company, uh, and then we've got to create, you know, the the, the trappings, the surroundings that turn a, a name into a brand. Um, and so that's what we did. Uh, we started, uh, you know, we started with uh, all of the the requisite, you know, groups helping us. Um, Branding companies and advertising agencies and whatnot, but really it was driven by uh, the senior team and, and a broader footprint of, of influential leaders and, and marketing folks that helped us kind of come up with synchrony and our and our our values. Um, but then we had a purpose statement, which was great, and this is really kind of a little bit of a lesson learned: who we were, you know, five or six years ago, coming out of GE and the challenges we had and we were faced with there. Uh, establishing our standalone credibility because we certainly had credibility inside of GE uh, and externally as part of GE, but how do you how do you translate that external? So we had a purpose statement. Uh, I love the purpose statement. I helped our then CMO develop the purpose statement. I was one of those people that, that was along for the ride. Um, and it went something like we were pioneering the future of financing and improving the lives and the businesses of our partners, the lives of our consumers and businesses of our partners. And as we continued on our journey, uh, you know, probably three-ish, four years ago, it started to feel like maybe the purpose statement wasn't as encompassing as we wanted it to be. It wasn't as aspirational, certainly as our CEO, Margaret Keene, wanted it to be. Um, And our footprint was starting to change. uh, Because we weren't constricted by our parent company any longer, we could get into uh, Complementary adjacency uh, businesses. Uh, we thought of ourselves differently. We were doing deals not just in the retail sector, uh, but you know, in the travel sector, and uh, emphasizing our auto business. And we were growing in healthcare. And the other piece was we had a large banking presence because it takes a dollar to lend a dollar. Um, and and so if you go back to we're pioneering the future of financing, but that didn't have anything to do with our bankers who were developing the deposits that allow us to lend the money through all of those retail and, and partner uh, and provider relationships. So we pivoted, um, challenged by Margaret uh, to, to have something that was uh, broader and more aspirational for the future um, than, the, than the original purpose statement. Uh, so we landed on building a future where every ambition is within reach as our vision And then we needed the mission that kind of brings that together, which plays back into uh, some of where our purpose statement was, which was creating financial and technology solutions to move our customers and partners forward. And all of that wrapped up with a a tagline of changing what's possible. And so that's kind of our framework today. That's who we are today. Um, But uh, you can see how people can fit more into. If your ambition is savings, and Adam, I think yours is or was, um, you know we're we have a group of people who can now align to a vision that is about that ambition, but not really the future of financing uh, as you can see, some of the conflict that might have arisen there so very interesting journey and and by the way, difficult. there are a lot of people who, because we started with that purpose statement, they were invested in it, so you know it's not just pivoting to the external world. Uh, but you know, a lot of your purpose and mission and whatnot, obviously, is about your own employees. Uh, you know How you turn that out becomes your brand. The external experience is your brand. But internally, that was a lot about our employees. There was a lot of emotion in that change management. But uh, happy to say it went fairly well, a uh, little over a year and a half-ish ago. Um, and we are, to this day, trying to change what's possible in this industry we live in.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, first off, goal is saving is still saving. Uh, thanks to <laughs> you, I am doing that. So that's that's very good. And over the last eighteen months, then um, there, uh, it, whether it be turning within the organization and then of course turning what's possible outward, uh, I'm curious into some of the ways in which that has manifested. Uh, not just in the innovation of the product, which I want to get to in a second, and there's a quote that I want to get some clarification on, but specifically within taking those values and perhaps translating them into making new things possible in the community. And so, for instance, one of the reasons why saving is super important to me right now is, of course, because of the current context. I also know that there are some ways in which Synchrony is contributing. And so I'm thinking just generally here, it might be nice to know how you are taking some of those values and tying it into the brand uh, in a way that is broader than just Synchrony by itself
1: as the uh the challenge of the pandemic started to sweep across the u s uh and I can think through the 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 days and the weeks that sort of led up to an early march decision uh at synchrony to move everybody home uh not just our exempt workforce uh but all of our fifteen thousand folks, which includes a number of call center employees um, nobody saw that coming <laughs> certainly yeah, no, um me neither <laughs> Yeah, right. So, so you know, we did we did the things you would expect. We we you know pumped the brakes. We grabbed programs and and campaigns that were in progress and stopped them or edited them or or postponed them. Um, but then it, it started to become also about what were we going to kind of pivot and do back into the community. Um, so very quickly as we got folks home and settled, I literally think it was the following Saturday um, it it was clear our, our teams of people wanted to do more. Uh, so, you know, we, we started a little grassroots effort called gear up, uh, which was centered around, uh, the, the PPE, the, the personal protection equipment that the medical professionals and the first responders so dearly needed and was in short supply. And, you know, while we're, in the financial services business, and we don't have the credibility to kind of pivot our business and do things uh, like, you know, making ventilators or 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 doubling down and mass producing uh, masks. There were there was an unserved opportunity in a grassroots way, and we got a couple of folks on a on a committee going. And next thing we knew, we were we were grabbing every 3D printer we could find, and we were making plexiglass shields. Uh, we in in our payment solutions business, we have a large sewing and crafts segment, and the team very quickly mobilized uh, communications both to those customers and to those those retail partners about let's get let's get behind masks let's start sewing masks. We had how-to videos being produced by customers, um, so the relationship started with somebody going into a craft store to pursue their passion their hobby of sewing. And the next thing you knew, you were connected with Synchrony, and you were posting a video on YouTube uh, on how to sew a mask that people could then grab and do at home. And that's what our that's what our employees loved. You know, families, kids. All of a sudden, everybody's sitting around at home. What do you do? Well, a lot of them were making masks. A lot of them were making you know 3D printing plexiglass shields that could be snapped in uh, to existing fittings and replacing you know other other versions. Uh, another great example, Adam, was that we we went to the World uh, Central Kitchen and said, "How can we help?" And and they said, "Well, you know, let's get the cardholders involved, and and we'll make a donation." So Synchrony, through our uh, our retail card business, we organized and we sent communications out and said, "Look, if you're if you're doing you know takeout or home delivery." Uh, every time you use one of our Synchrony cards, our Synchrony partner cards or your Synchrony MasterCard, we'll make a, a dollar donation up to a million dollars to the World Central Kitchen. We were fairly early in on that, but Chef Andres and what he did to pivot the restaurant industry uh, to meet a need um, was, was amazing. Uh, so we were we were very you know, happy to be, to be able to participate in in uh, in efforts like that.
0: Yeah, being down here based in the D.C. area, certainly have seen that, uh, you know, that impact and uh, done some pretty great things there. Um, and it's good to know that you were you know not only giving in this way, but also finding new ways to connect with consumers, to connect with partners. It tailors well into uh, a question I ask sometimes, not too much, which is, you know, w- what are broadly, and maybe this is more tied to the business, what are some of the ways in which you're building new or one-to-one relationships with consumers and partners? And specifically, I, w- I want to lean into a quote uh, that uh, that you said to me, uh, and, and this is in the, the subject of innovation, um, because... With new contexts, there are always new opportunities. And something I heard from you was, and I want to get an explanation on this specifically, the quote that there are no new ideas, just better timing, technology and more money. So the idea that uh, are there ideas out there that are really novel or is it just the ways in which they are implemented? And obviously uh, that probably is coming to fruition nowadays. So it's a big lead up, but essentially I'm trying to ask about what you're doing in the world of innovation today and how that's helping in building the relationships that you have with consumers and partners alike.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, certainly uh, ahead of the pandemic, the world was going digital. The world is digital, enhancing digital engagement. Um, you know, leveraging social channels and communications that that uh, you know you never had before um, with, with a, a set of consumers. But sir, the, the the pandemic accelerated uh, synchrony's activities in a couple areas, um, specifically in how we engage with customers and the services and capabilities that we we offer to our partners and how they engage with those customers. So um, when, I, when I say there's, there are no new ideas, just better timing, technology and money, that's from years of, of watching things sort of come and go. Uh, a great idea come up, and then maybe a year later somebody has the same idea. But a year ago it didn't have traction, and all of a sudden it does. And what was that what was that, that did that? So you know as we, as we think about what's going on right now, um, there's a lot of conversation about you know touchless commerce. Uh, you know, contactless payments and whatnot. Well, that's been around. I mean, go back to the financial crisis. I think the first iPhone, um, you know, happened somewhere in the neighborhood of 07, 08. Uh, and now there's a, a plethora of versions and, and Androids and all those kind of things. But the idea of a digital wallet was born. Well, right there, wallet, <laughs> digital wallet. It's, it's, just, it's another idea with better technology right but it didn't really take off you know you could measure even though some really big companies were behind the technology and the enablement um you know big networks mastercard and visa uh, android google apple certainly creating wallets um it didn't really take root Um, so we had the technology we clearly had money we had need for shopping but it wasn't until a pandemic hit that the timing was right and now all of a sudden contactless payments have taken off Um, so it was all there. You know, maybe that's the root of we were solving a uh, we were solving a a customer pain point that really wasn't a pain point. It's not that hard, not that different to get a card out of your wallet and dip it in the machine than it is to fumble with your phone, pull your phone up, click on the button, and then hold it up to the machine. But now all of a sudden, there's value in me not not releasing that card, not giving it to an associate or a cashier. Uh, and maybe not even touching it to the device that somebody else was in front of me in line with. So um, that's what that's you know th- those examples exist everywhere, not just in payments. You could look at uh, you know telemedicine for interest, yeah for for instance, uh, you know doctors go go way back. Doctors have been making house calls for years. That was the practice before there was a a practice to go to. The doctor came to you, and now full circle with timing and technology and more money. The, the the medical industry has been building telemedicine, you know, and video medicine, and an app that you can engage with a doctor. But look what happens here: we have a pandemic, and all of a sudden the timing makes that technology and that solution uh, more relevant, and, and thus the customer, uh, in this case the patient, um, you know, takes takes a, a big run at that. And I think we'll see that those two things. You know, we could go on. There's lots of examples. Um, but again. It's the timing, the technology, and the money. The idea has been there. The idea of a house call, okay, well, here's a house call that's just done on video or over the phone. Um, here's a payment that's not done with a piece of plastic or a piece of metal. It's done with a phone through NFC transmission. So um, timing technology and more money solves a lot of problems.
0: Right. And it makes me think about what you've just rightly pointed out, which is... Is a weird, I don't want to say cyclical trend because that would have implied it's been done a few times, but certainly this roundabout journey back to just a different version of the first version that telemedicine and house calls being an example of that, it makes me wonder, and perhaps more applicable to your business, the ways in which customers are serviced and the ways in which your partners are servicing those customers, whether it be in the way of rewarding loyalty or just providing a different type of service to customers. And, and that must be something that's important right now too, especially in the world of retail and and probably to an extent in the world of financial services. I'm curious if there are other things that you see in that full circle dimension of, well, you know, if you think about it back in the day, uh, you know, the hardware store down the street really uh, focused hard on keeping its customers and they did XYZ to do so. And and nowadays, you know, you can track a customer via their payments, but they're also doing XYZ. Are there any standout examples from maybe partners of yours in ways that they are uh, enhancing sort of the services that they're able to provide and, and maybe powered through loyalty that Synchrony enables?
1: yeah sure i i don't even know if i go specific examples uh but if we just think about what's going on so we talked about digital wallets you know if you look at the, the you know we always kind of look to the younger generation and we talk about the whether it's the the gen z or the millennial or i heard the term the other day which is the overlap of those two which is a z Lennial. so the older z and the younger Z-lenial. millennial and they That's how they behave one. Yeah, they, they kind of if you take the segment the, the, that overlaps there because they're almost their own segment, they behave more like uh, themselves in the middle than they do on the on the tails of that. But anyway, the we always point to them as driving technology and you grew up, you know, you're a digital native and all those things. But, you know, think about things like remote check capture. Um, you know, my mom's seventy five. She's doing remote check capture now. Maybe generationally, we never would have said that that folks who were boomers were going to be doing that, but they're doing it uh, and that and and look at what we just did with the pandemic and shopping and did we taught an entire generation how to shop online how to get groceries delivered. Um, you know how to buy toilet paper and have it delivered, which is a really funny thing to see on somebody's front doorstep um, but but again those kind of activities and that kind of engagement you know the game is changing in retail i don't think anybody knows exactly where it will land i think it's safe to say that in the us we'll have a a smaller physical retail footprint uh we'll have even more digital uh enabled customers shopping customers um, and then we'll have the hybrids. the you'll you'll need to understand that customer and their engagement with you both in the physical store and uh, online and digitally. So you know at synchrony, like I said, we were we were already well, well on our way um, developing uh, several different generations of technology to enable customers to apply and buy, uh, to service, to make payments, uh, and even to manage uh, you know when when customers go, uh, delinquent, even to manage that activity digitally uh, because certain customers aren't simply going to pick up the phone like generations before them and and call an 800 number. And the reverse side of that, if you're in collections, you're certainly not going to answer a call that came from an 800 number. Um, so how do you engage people digitally throughout the entire lifecycle? I think it's a challenge for retailers as this situation continues to evolve. And it's it's definitely one that we we partner with our largest retailers. But I'm I'm happy to say, you know, the 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 digital application process that we operate at Synchrony, um, which goes to some of our largest consumer or customer brands, uh, partner brands, uh, is available to you know the smallest uh, clients of ours, partners of ours on on Main Street USA. It's the same digital capability whether you're going through a website or you're coming through an application. Um, so you know consumers we're meeting the consumer uh, and in many respects because we're a b2b B2 to c business primarily we're meeting the the partner's customer where they want to be when they want to be there and increasingly that's digital it's online it's social you know those those kind of channels and that kind of capability
0: It's on that final channel that that I want to ask my next question, because part of the full cycle, digital connectivity of customers today, and whether that be a partner or an end consumer, either the B or the sea, uh, is the extent to which they talk about their experiences, have stories to share, and ultimately recommend to others as to what to do. I mean, right now in this pandemic, I think it's pulled that trend forward of people are taking recommendations from those closest to them first, uh, even before other sources, for better or for worse. Now, pandemic aside, I'm curious in some of the ways in which Synchrony has also championed this, and I may, maybe again from a loyalty perspective, but I'm not sure, uh, for either partners or consumers, the ways in which they're encouraged to share stories and share how they were benefited either via a partnership or, or, or via some service that the partner provides. Um, what are some ways that you've thought about that and how to incorporate that social volume uh, into the relationships that your partners are building with customers and vice versa?
1: That, that's the proactive engagement that you're, you're looking for. I mean, customers exactly. can choose to engage with you now digitally and socially, like never before, whether you're looking for that engagement or not, but, um, but yeah, no, I think care credit, our, our healthcare, elective healthcare financing business. Um, they do all, they do a lot of uh, a social engagement with customers, um, especially in pet, you know, everybody loves a pet, furry pets. Um, we've got with this recent, uh, this recent activity, they're, they're Corona kittens and pandemic puppies now happening all over the I've place, not heard that, but people, thank you
0: for letting me know yeah, that that's a thing. You know,
1: people, people, people looking for furry friends, um, you know, and all the cartoons and whatnot about the dog who says, really, are we going to go for another walk? Because what else could we be doing for the last 60, 80, 90 days, depending on where you've been. Um, but we do, we do a lot of collecting of those kind of stories, uh, people sharing, um, their care success, uh, and that can be, you know, a smiling kid who's just gotten their braces off, that was courtesy of Care Credit, um, or people who just feel better about themselves um, because they had a procedure done that gives them more confidence and again puts a smile on their face. One of Care Credit's uh, programs was financing smiles. Um, so you can see how a pet would put a smile on your face, you can see how braces put a smile on your face, but just feeling better about yourself puts a smile on your face. So we do lots of activity, testimonial type activities. uh, Certainly in in care credit. Um, Another example, it's a little it's a little ways back, but it was one of my favorites. Was uh, a campaign we ran socially that was called "Not Just a Purchase." Um, You know, because to you and me, uh, somebody buys a couch, but to them, they brought. You know, the couch became the home movie family seating area that brought the family together or somebody bought a a big new uh, raft to tow behind a boat and that's what it was it was a big huge raft to tow behind a boat but that was actually where the cousins got to spend the summer and and so you see that the play on hashtag not just a purchase so what was tell us about your purchase and why it wasn't just a purchase it wasn't just a thing you acquired um, and we had great success with that, recognize some of the best, uh, and most creative, um, and by the way, the creativity of people that's out there socially is, is wonderful, but, uh, recognizing that kind of creativity and getting us, getting to highlight our brand, uh, and then also, uh, if appropriate to highlight the, the retail partners brand where the, the just a purchase was made. So, um, a couple of fun examples.
0: Yeah, I would say so and it's always great to be tapping into people it's the focus of, of this show and and I've talked about it a little bit with with financials and I think you specifically being in B to b to C which is relatively unique among over 100 interviews I've done it's a particular way to get and I'll use the name uh, authentic in the way that you're driving influence and in the way that consumers are driving influence to drive business and the way that that obviously uh, it has a halo impact upon upon synchrony and again perhaps a partner so that, that was a really cool cool couple of anecdotes thanks for that Yeah, sure. It makes me wonder about uh, our final roundout question. And uh, because it seems that you have a wealth of these stories and we could probably go on for a long, long time. But in the interest of uh, time, I want to also uh, note the interests of our listeners who typically seek to emulate the journeys of those who appear on this show. But the question is, and then I'll give a little bit of background, what are some advice or tips that you might have on how to become more authentic in messaging generally? Now, over the course of the show, not only have we heard some of the ways in which this has come to life, but we also know that over the last 18 months, uh, you and the team have have embodied this vision statement to be more consumer-centric. Uh, we, we know that uh, you have had this experience uh, all the way from the large conglomerate the GE was to today, uh, and that has meant lots of twists and turns and probably uh, lessons from mentors and pitfalls avoided and particular standout stories. And I'm just curious if we could tap into that for a few minutes and, and learn from you some advice on how to get more authentic, given all of that uh, that you've experienced over the years.
1: Wow, um, there's a lot there. Yeah, I Adam. load that one. Um, that's the, that's the yeah. big meat of the... <laughs> um, so uh, a really interesting twist here is I think about um, Listening to the question you just asked. So, I, I need to be especially authentic in trying to explain how to be authentic, which is a really interesting. Uh,
0: it's a bit meta, but we concept. can go there. We can go, we yeah. Can go there. Yeah, let's get uh, in the heads of people.
1: Yeah, no. So, I look, I mean, um, authentic, uh, being authentic and authentic in your messaging, authentic in your brand. You know, I actually, the twist I just kind of came to in my head as I was talking was the only way to really be authentic is to not appear like you're trying to be authentic because you want to be credible and real and relevant. And if it's forced and scripted, um, if it's not relevant, you know, does your brand belong there is the message aligned with what they knew before. Um, you know, are you sure that you're going to deliver on that promise and service uh, or or, or product? Um, You know, and I think you have to step back to stay authentic. You have to repeatedly step back and see how are people feeling and what are they looking for? You know, what what problem are you trying to solve for them? Or maybe better, what value-added experience are they seeking? Uh, And understanding that on a continued basis uh, is, I think, really the challenge. Um, You know, I I think the other thing about authenticity and being authentic is it really comes down to relationships, right? Uh, You know, the word real, uh, you know, are you real? Are you do you have a relationship? Is the experience you're delivering uh, feel right is it engaging value added is it productive if it's appropriate is it fun uh, you know is it a two- way conversation I think maybe is the way to think about it it's not just one way putting a headline out or or, or putting an email out what are you getting back in um, and I think this is probably where where digital and social have completely shifted our craft of marketing um, from you know, maybe a decade, decade plus ago, but certainly the, the, the history of marketing, you know, it's a one-way presentation, right? It's a product, a headline, it's a box on a shelf. It might be a 30-second commercial, but the two, as I talked about this two-way conversation and checking back in through digital and social, we, we now, we have that in spades um, and we have a lot more data that we can use in terms of not just what the customer said, but what whether they actually do Um, So shifting from that sort of static messaging to ongoing dialogues, constant feedback, um, it's a big challenge because you can't, you don't want to just be too reactionary. Again, not very authentic if you just react to everything or if one day you're one thing and then you pivot to something else. You know, that was one of the big considerations we had at Synchrony when we were shifting from the purpose statement to a vision mission structure. Um, But in that data, how do you use the data how do you personalize and add value to that that customer relationship or even that partner for us partner relationship without being overly invasive or big brother um you know you have to have like permission to be there um uh, and i think that's the, the the other word about being authentic is balanced um you can't be kind of all the way out on one pole or the other pole um, but I think it comes back, you know, I'm not even sure it's just marketing, Adam. You know, it's people, relationships, leadership, but certainly marketing. It comes down to balance. Are you balancing the listening and the advocating and selling? Are you balancing, you know, sort of pushing boundaries, but also being clear about what you stand for and having credibility to own that message and space and being consistent. Um, you know, like I said, using the data to help. Improve the experience without overstepping the expectation or the the permission that that customer has given you with that data and that experience. Um, you know, staying believable, being trusted um, that's what that's what I think brands are really striving for. Um, you know, having having clear conviction, but also be willing to you know modify, adjust even apologize if you need to. We've certainly seen a fair amount of that recently. Um, but, you know, I think that's authentic. That's how you stay authentic. Um, and it's, uh, it's not, I wouldn't even call it a journey because journeys have ends. I think it's more like being on a treadmill. It's just constant. Um, it's constant in our business. I, I think anybody who's managing and leading a brand and its health and well-being, um, it, it's a uh, it's an it's an ongoing activity and it's a contact sport for sure
0: absolutely well it is ever going as consumer interest is ever going as those moments come up with with brands and interactions with them is is ongoing and and by the way i I do like your approach that you can't always be reactionary in that way you you have to develop some level of proactivity there and I'm, and I'm glad that via the stories that you have provided today and, and the advice that you provided that it's something that you're thinking about as well um, of course i'll continue to be a happy customer but but folks you know this is you should remember that that synchrony is is a place where uh, you can have a great consumer banking experience and you might also already be benefiting uh, if you, if you're a retail card holder at one of your favorite retailers but um, you know th- this is just it goes to show how much thought goes into the way that you build relationships with people and, and, and the inner workings behind the scenes. So for this b to b to c perspective uh, for this vision and for uh, teaching us how some of these old ideas become new again, uh, Bart, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Cheers, Adam. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much to Bart Schaller from Synchrony for joining the show today. It's a really interesting topic and a unique model through which you're able to deliver authenticity and reflect on experiences and see those stories shared. So thanks very much for sharing some of that with me if you like this show here's some things you can do a couple ways that you can stay connected with us if you found this on a podcast directory or through itunes or something just stay subscribed there if you feel so compelled leave a rating and review as well it's just a public show of support but here's where else you can find us podcast.vaboom.co that's our website where we have all of our episodes from october 2018 to today over a hundred of them You can also look on LinkedIn for a showcase page called Authentic Influence Podcast, where you'll find much of the same, including other things like tidbits in the press and events coming up and some video too. So that's an interesting place to go be. And then finally, you can connect with me also, Adam Connor, on LinkedIn. Connect with me, send me a message. Let me know what you'd like to see next on the show, and I'll do my best to bring it to you. Starting right now, I'm going to be right back real soon with another fantastic show about how a brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic each and every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.